Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the fabulous Kate Gunning with me, who is the CMO of IEX. Kate, hi, and welcome to CMO Moves. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, uh, thank you for joining me. And in fact, like we've had like the most amazing 15, 20 minutes trying every single connection known to mankind uh, to get a clear signal um, to have you on the show. But I'm determined because your story is so cool. And uh, let's hope this works, shall we? It's COVID probs. Exactly. Well, you've been through a lot and have all these different connections. You went from New York. Now you're in Texas and, and you still made time for me. So thanks so much. Awesome. Yeah. Now, speaking of awesome, um, you are probably one of the youngest CMOs I've ever had on the show. Um, I am so <laughs> excited because ever since I got to meet you and especially meet you in person, like, I'm just fascinated with your story. It's so cool. And the company you work with is so revolutionary. But you became a first-time CMO at 33, and now you're two years into your role. I just can't wait to dig in. What the heck is IEX? Because I know what it is now, but I, I didn't. And until you told me, then I was like, wow, that's so revolutionary. What is IEX? It is. It's such a special company. And when they first reached out to me about the role, I was actually working at JP Morgan, so in finance, and I wasn't familiar with the company either. And I've just fallen in love with the story of the mission, the people, the founders are so incredible and so special. And I've really enjoyed learning about their story and having the privilege to tell the story. IEX is a financial technology company, and we have a few new businesses that we launched last year, but our bread and butter is a stock exchange, and we got approval in 2016 from the SEC to operate as a national stock exchange, um, which was a pretty incredible feat because there haven't been a lot of new entrants um, in the stock exchange 
seen um, in the last couple of years. And now we've got a number of new stock exchanges launching actually in the back half of this year. So the competition is heating up and you've got to really be on your innovation game. And it's been such a fascinating world to learn more about um, because I really am still getting to know the space as their CMO. It's a, it's a fascinating um, and very complex industry to work in. Absolutely. I mean, I am totally lost and confused. I'll be the first person in a minute <laughs> when it comes to the business that you're in. Um, but I, I know enough about marketing and tech to know all the cool things that you're doing. And when you said it's your bread and butter, I find that um, fascinating because you're now into beer and clothing and hoodies <laughs> and socks. And like, so we're going to come back to that and figure out like how a stock exchange produces alcohol and wearables. Uh, so, <clears throat> but, but that's part of the innovation that you're doing. And that's why it's so cool um, to have you at the helm there. But let's keep going a little bit deeper on IEX, shall we? Because it's a very different model. Why don't you tell us a little bit? Yes. About Awesome. So I'll start by sharing with you the analogy that I created for myself when I first joined the company as I was trying to really understand the inner workings of the stock market and how exchanges operate. And in the simplest of terms, a, a stock exchange is just that. It's a place where people can come to buy and sell U.S. stocks, so all of the names that you would think about that would be in a portfolio, Apple and Amazon and Microsoft, um, these are stocks that are traded every day in the markets. And so the analogy that I use in terms of how the markets work um, is, is one of Amazon. So imagine if you, Nadine, went onto Amazon.com and you wanted to buy 1 million rolls of toilet paper, okay? And let's say that the toilet paper rolls were $5 each, okay? Um, imagine you went to checkout and you thought that there were a million available for $5 each. And all of a sudden you go to checkout and you see that there are only 800,000 left over for $5. And the remaining 200,000 rolls of toilet paper are maybe now $6, right? That happens in the market throughout the trading day, every day, right? There is a huge um, variable at play with regards to trading, which has to do with um, data and speed and the information about a price for a stock. Um, and so this dynamic happens all throughout the day. And there are 13 stock exchanges and there are millions of of stocks and shares traded per day. So just think about what impact that creates in the market. The other thing that happens is, let's say you went to buy the uh, 1 million rolls of toilet paper for $5, and you were able to buy all 1 million of them for $5. But let's say one second after that, you realize that they all went on sale for $4. That $1 seems very small, right? If you're buying one piece of toilet paper, but if you're buying a million rolls of toilet paper for $5 and one second later, they change to $4, um, that can have a massive impact in your portfolio. And so that's just a really simple um, way of explaining how speed and, and information impacts the way buying and selling stocks works. 
Um, and part of what IEX did when they started their stock exchange is they created two different kinds of technology. One that is called a speed bump. And what the speed bump tries to do is make sure that that first scenario happens less. So if you want to buy 1,000 rolls of toilet paper for $5 each, we try to make sure that we have the most accurate reflection of what's available, so to speak, so that you can. Um, and then the other innovation that we have is called the signal. And for that, we use predictive analytics to try to determine um, what's going to happen to the price um, so that ideally, if the price is about to change from $5 to $4, you're not purchasing it at $5. So it's a very oversimplified um, way of understanding, but I try to come up with analogies like that for myself as I'm learning about the different dynamics with regards to trading and how the market works. Yeah, that was a very interesting way to summarize the stock market through a million rolls of toilet paper. And I, I, <laughs> I only laugh because of how important toilet paper has, has become in the last six months. Um, <laughs> exactly. I would say that it was going for like $40 a roll at one point um, a few months ago. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, okay. So super cool. Now, the thing that's really interesting about IEX is it was designed to create transparency in the market. Is that correct? Absolutely. And transparency is at play all over the place. Um, and, and so part of what we're trying to do is to create a scenario where all of the people who are participating in the market can ideally have the same kind of information um, about the price of a stock and at the same time so that they can buy or sell the stock that they're trying to buy or sell. Um, and so, yes, transparency is a huge piece of that. So we think about ourselves as almost like a, a referee. Um, and that's why we created the speed bump technology. All it does is slow down the, the speed of information that comes onto the exchange so that we can truly have that aerial view, if you will. And so that the people who are buying or selling the stock on our exchange can also have the same picture um, so that they can get the deal done that they're trying to get done. And it seems like such a simple concept. Um, but that, but that really is something that we are very committed to. Um, the founders of IEX, um, Brad Katsuyama, he was a trader at RBC, and he experienced this um, himself when he was trading at RBC on behalf of his clients. Um, and so that was the, the reason why he put a group of people together to start the exchange um, so that he could help people all across the market with a, a way to trade that felt like the information that they needed to get the job done was in front of them um, and that they could expect that it would be. Okay, so it, you're right. It does sound like something very logical, but traditionally that transparency hasn't existed in the market. And that's what makes you guys a, a, a superior challenger brand. Okay, what, what's the opposite? Like what, what was it that you guys needed to fix? So it's a really a case of business models, right? There are um, other exchanges who will offer different kinds of information um, based on 
speed connections and access to data. Um, so information that might be different that I have about what's available on a stock exchange versus information that you might have about what's available on the stock exchange, depending on um, how much myself or let's say your company um, pays to have the access to that information or to get the information first. And that's a dynamic that works for a number of people in the stock market, but it's a dynamic that the founders of IEX felt like didn't need to be part of our business model. Then the other business model says, we're not going to include that as part of what we sell um, to our clients. And we view our role as really more of that of a referee, right? Um, athletes come to the field, they do what they need to do to train for the game beforehand, but we're not uh, selling some of them Gatorade and other power bars, right? Um, we're just trusting that everybody makes it to the field and they're ready to play the game. And it's our role to really oversee the game and make sure that everything is happening as it's intended to. So it's a, it's a difference in business models. Um, and that's what's going to be really interesting about these new exchanges that are launching in the back half of the year, because the variety has not been at play um, as much as I think it will be in terms of the different business models that exchanges take on. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how the market reacts to some of the new players. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is like, I, I can't help but hear my colleague Heidi in the back of my head and she always teases me because I always create puns and she calls me very punny um but, <laughs> but, th but there's something in here right because like since we started talking about the stock exchange we've talked about bread butter Gatorade power bars and it's like I, <laughs> I can tell you're in marketing it's amazing um and now we're going to talk about hoodies and socks and all kinds of like and beer like Okay, so I want to come back to the stock exchange in a minute, but what the heck is going on with all these line extensions? What's, what's that about? Yeah, so part of the, the thing that I think makes IEX so special is the, the business and the brand and the ability that the people who started the company have around connecting to the people in the finance community. And when I first joined IEX, I traveled a lot with Ronan Ryan, who's one of the other co-founders, and he's hilarious. He's Irish. He always wanted to work on Wall Street, never could get a job on Wall Street, and then Brad Katsuyama found him and brought him over to RBC um, before they left to start IEX, and one of the things that I observed is, a, people just love talking to him. They love connecting with him. They love asking him questions. And B, after a long day of meetings, we would always pick a pub locally, let's say we were in Boston, and people would just come out in droves to meet up with Ronan and have a toast when the market closed and catch up. And so I just I started to observe that this was part of the cultural fiber of the exchange and of Wall Street. And I'd known it because I'd come from JP Morgan, but to sort of see it firsthand that way was really magical. And then I started to learn more about the business and learn more about 
some of the messages that we needed to convey about, yes, we're a stock exchange that started in 2016, and Ronan likes to say NYSE has a 200-year head start on us, but we've got buckets of high-quality liquidity on our stock exchange. All the all the names in the S&P 500 that are, are really important to trade, we've got all of that inventory, right? That's all in our farmer's market. And so these things started to come together as patterns for me. And we had the idea of inviting um, some, some traders in to the office last October. And I said, let's, let's have them do a beer tasting, right? These people love to have beer. They love to connect over a beer. Let's have a beer tasting. That'd be so much fun. So we found this brewer called Good Word Brewing in Atlanta, and he sent up eight different beers to the office, and we did a tasting, and we had everybody vote on their favorite brew, and they picked this IPA, which is now liquidity, and I initially thought this will be something fun for us to serve in the office. We have a keg in our office. It's a way that we connect and come together as a, as a team. But part of what I love about the creative process is how if you kind of let things come to you, if you're open to the organic process and you're trying to watch all the signs and signals, it can really morph into something really beautiful. And I was presenting the beer at an internal meeting in December of last year, and it was sort of the internal launch of liquidity. Um, and, and during that moment, it was it was so cool to see the response around it. And in that moment, I had the idea of, we should really launch this over Super Bowl weekend with a spoof beer ad and just sort of see how our community, the trading community reacts to it. And, you know, then maybe we'll, we'll produce it and we'll actually give it to clients, right? Um, and so we did that and the feedback was awesome. And it really, it truly has, it's morphed into this whole brand franchise for us. And um, in trading, there's this concept of lit and dark trading. And we, that's part of what we want to educate traders about um, is both of those spaces within the trading space. And so we're actually now going to brew a, uh, coast style light beer and then we're going to brew a dark beer um, that's more like a like a Guinness style and so we're going to have liquidity lit and liquidity dark and those are coming out in the next couple of months which we're really excited about but it's been a whole evolution and again I think the lesson is um, creative briefs are really tricky right and I think sometimes the creative process can feel really forced um, and this was one where it was a beautiful combination of what's happening in culture with this trading community, the authentic connections that people can have when they're sharing a beer, the challenge in terms of communicating that we have high quality liquidity on this newer exchange, um, and then the ability to translate that now into hopefully the, the lit liquidity and the dark liquidity um, and hopefully people will be receptive and enjoy how those taste also. Um, so that's been really cool to experience over the last year.
And I'm really thankful to have had the opportunity to just kind of iterate on it as we get feedback from our community. Yeah, I, it, like super cool. And I, and I remember literally it was January 31st, right before the Super Bowl. And yeah. You, yep. You flew from New York to San Francisco for the day to join the CMMU Summit. And you were talking, you, you couldn't actually share it with us then. But then like three days later, it was launched. And, and this, was, this is yeah. like a whole new thing. Um, like who would have thunk, is thunk a word? I, should, I don't know if thunk's a word, but I'm gonna use it. <laughs> who would have thunk? We can make it a word. I'm making up the word. <laughs> you, you inspire me with innovation. We're just gonna like make stuff up. Um, who would have thunk you'd launch a beer? And then like literally on the heels of that, like a week later, there's a hoodie, there's socks, there's all kinds of stuff. Like, where do the hoodies and the socks come from? Yeah, so that's been along the same lines. One of the one of the goals that we have is to arm all of our IEX team with swag that they can wear um, to rep IEX. And because we're 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 in this journey of of explaining to the world what IEX is, the fact that we want to be this financial technology company that can bring innovation to the world and open up access to financial services um, for the people who need to get involved. And so part of the goal behind the swag is let's kit out all of the IEX team with some high performance swag Let's create really high standards for what that swag is. Let's have a story for each piece of swag, which ties to the high-performance technology that we have built and continue to build. And if you're going to sport IEX, then you got to rep IEX, right? So ideally, that becomes a talking piece. And so why do we have marine layer T-shirts and hoodies, right? Marine layer is a brand that has incredible ingredients the manufacturing process is amazing and the the way that those are made is so high quality and we want to teach people that we're trying to create high quality high performance stock exchange and so we're trying to use the swag to really tell that story um high performance yeti tumbler again it's what is a Yeti? A Yeti is for the wild. A Yeti is durable. A Yeti keeps your drink cool, right? Like it, it, it does this high performance job. Um, and so that's for our team. It's also for our clients because we want our clients to feel like they're part of the IEX community. And it's something that reminds them of the story of the company that, that created it. Um, the socks are actually a really fun story, though. I have to just digress and tell you that because those were kind of the most off-the-wall item that we made when we first started our swag line. And we designed them really not on purpose um, with boxes and lines on them. So the, the IX logo is a square. And to me, that represents sort of everybody's playing on the same field right? Coming from the same side. So we designed the socks with boxes and lines on them because it looked, it looked fun. And around the same time, we launched a podcast. And at first, uh, Ronan says, what in the world do people want to hear about 
market structure on a podcast for it. I can't imagine anybody's going to listen to this. And he's very open, very receptive to it. And so that launched last September. We started this conversation up in one of the episodes about the socks because someone was wearing them while recording. And then we started to notice, oh, my gosh, the socks actually have boxes and lines on them. And the podcast is called Boxes and Lines, um, which is a story that Ronan tells um, about his earlier years. It's actually a really fascinating story about sort of the boxes and lines and the way that the cables run in the market. Um, and so those kind of became the podcast socks. And so now every guest of our podcast gets a pair of boxes and lines socks. Um, and people tweet to us all the time asking us for a pair of socks. Um, I actually had a, an ex nizy marketing person tweet to us this morning asking us for some of our beer. So that's been really fun just in terms of these things have had a real purpose strategically to tell the story of the, the intangible goods that we're selling, so to speak. Um, and now they've become conversation points and community builders and, and ways to connect. And that's been really fascinating to watch. And I think you can't really put that into a creative brief necessarily, right? You kind of have to just over time put something out there, see how does your community respond, and then evolve it from there, iterate from there. Um, but letting the community be a guide in terms of informing our next step. That's been a real pleasure. Wow. So first off, I have not been invited to be a guest on your podcast, Boxes and Lines. I'm a little <laughs> bit pissed, but I probably couldn't contribute very much. If you had another podcast called Speed Bumps and Signals, that would be like way, way more in my, my lane. So if you watch another one, I'm just putting my hat, my name into the hat, like ah. I could be a guest, um, but, but yeah, I mean, Hey, listen, I took a look at your swag. In fact, I am the proud owner of an IEX hoodie. It is one of my most <laughs> articles of clothing for sure. Um, and like, I, I could not help, but notice like the fine touch of a marketer, it, it, every piece. And I looked at all of it has a, a little tag that talks about the story, the origin, of the, the, the materials, how it was produced, why it was selected. I mean, it, it is very high end and it's, it, it, and, and people, you say hoodie, you don't think high end, but the, the actual product itself is really high end. It's, it's amazing how you've been able to incorporate that into a stock exchange business. It, I was shocked. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's been Ms. really fun. Miss youngest. CMO ever. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's probably I don't why. know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Total untraditional. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So we are, well, we have so much more to talk about when we're getting close to being at the end of our time already. So let me get a few more questions in here. Um, you sent me a note and you said, I quit BBDO after six weeks and it changed my whole career path. What is that about? <laughs> this is a, this is another really crazy moment, I think, but as we've discussed, I am really all about the 
signs and signals. And I think that that goes both culturally when you're building a brand and when you're coming up with ideas to make the brand resonate. And I also think that it goes for all of us in our own careers. And so that is, that is a crazy story. So I had just moved to New York city and I think I was uh, there for a couple of weeks and I was so excited to join BBDO. I had just left JWT where I was working on Shell in Houston, actually. And I was so pumped to join BBDO um, that early on in my career. And I had been put on the Gillette team. So on paper, that just seemed like, wow, I'm going to learn so much. It's fast-moving consumer goods, and it's global, and there are all these products that they're launching, and I was so excited. Um, and that's still an agency that I adore, and I'm still close with so many people that work there. Um, but a few weeks into the job, I got a call back from McGarry Bowen, which was, at the time, a complete no-name agency. It was a startup. There were probably 70 people or so. And I remember having a conversation with a few of my family members and they said, come on, BBDO, Gillette, and then you're going to leave this early on in your career to go to this agency that no one's ever heard of. And to work on JT Morgan Chase, that sounds like, why would you do that? And I just had this really strong pull to go there. And it was very hard for me to explain beyond the fact that I just felt like my spirit needed to be at McGarry Bowen. And so I made the decision and I left BBDO and that was a really hard choice. And I joined McGarry Bowen and then the financial crisis happened. And I was working on JP Morgan Chase. That was my client. And that was crazy. And I'm like this super young account person um, sitting outside of John McGarry and Gordon Bowen and Stuart Owen's office and trying to, to learn everything I possibly could about this account. And the financial crisis happens. And of course, everybody's cutting their scopes of work. It's like a disaster. And so Stuart Owen and I came together and he's such a brilliant strategy guy and he taught me so much. And so together he and I created this really incredible program for JP Morgan Chase called the way forward, which was really all about helping people nationally understand what JP Morgan Chase was trying to do to help the economy, right? Like really substantive, tangible examples. Um, and so, the president would make an announcement about mortgages on a Thursday and on a Friday, we would put an ad in the Wall Street Journal saying, okay, this is exactly what JP Morgan Chase has done about mortgages in the last three months. Um, so it, it, it's really funny to think about now because you would just sort of tweet that out, right? But we had to do this whole thing around Wall Street Journal print ads and it was like this whole process. Um, so that was wild. And then I remember um, having a conversation with my husband and he was an international tax at EY. And he said, look, I have an opportunity to transfer to London. How do you feel about that? 
And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, that would be amazing. But I, I don't know anybody um, in an agency there. And McGarry Bowen's not got any offices overseas. And so I walked into John McGarry's office and I said, so my husband has an opportunity to move to London in about nine months from now. So I'm giving you a super heads up. Would you mind maybe helping me network there? Because I love and adore you and I, and I really don't want to leave the agency, but if we do move, I, I need a job in London. And he said, well, absolutely not. We want to open an office in London. So you'll just do that. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was amazing. So we moved to London and I got to be part of this amazing team that hit the ground running there and, and started to get the agency going. And that was just a fascinating experience. Um, and, you know, like with everything, there's sort of ebbs and flows and hard process, but that was so fun. And I learned so much and to, to have that kind of an opportunity was just wild. And all of this connects to where I am today because when I moved back from London, JP Morgan said, hey, why don't you come over and work on what we have going on from a brand strategy perspective here? And I thought, you know, I've been doing more fashion and beauty in London. I don't think I really want to go back into finance. But again, I felt very pulled to it because there are people there that I adore and love from my time working with them during the financial crisis. And had I not done that, I wouldn't have met the people that I did who ultimately brought me to IEX. So it's just very cool at this moment in my career to think back on that one decision that I made six weeks into BBDO that felt so crazy and really so stupid. Um, potentially on paper, you know, like a big risk, but it really has shaped all of the different parts. Um, and I, I love talking about that story because at the time it felt kind of potentially like something that you, you want to sort of like brush under the table and not really be vocal about. But I think trusting ourselves is something that can be really hard to do. And we are in a creative industry where you have to have guts and you have to be brave. And that can be really hard sometimes, but ideally, whether you fall or whether you, you run and you, you, know, you have to get back up again, um, we all learn something through that process. And so I am just thankful to be able to look back and appreciate all of those moments. Wow. Okay. And, and let me just remind everybody that you are still only 35 years old. And when you went through that process and you opened the London office, you were 25. I mean, I will, I will. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Like that is, that, that's insane how much you've accomplished at such a young age. Um, and, and it just continues to underscore what you just said. It's about trust, trusting your gut, being brave and knowing it could have been a mistake or as you said, potentially a stupid move, but it paid out. Yeah. Um, so that that's amazing. Um, it's almost like though winning the lottery sometimes, right? Because you know, just yeah. because you think you're gonna win doesn't mean you will. Uh, in fact, I I've never won the lottery. It would be really nice if I did. <laughs> um, but but you do have to take those chances, or you never will win. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And amazing. I think the people that are around us are. I've had. I've been so blessed to have 
so many people around me. I know a lot of people feel the same that have been advocates for me and who have connected me with the right people. And I, I, I just so appreciate all of those people in my life. And I really want to try to be that same person for all of the people in, in my life as well, because I think it's just something that is very important that we're all there for each other, that we support each other in our community, that we lift people up. And that's why I adore you because what you've done in creating the opportunity for so many of us marketers to come together and to learn from each other and to grow from each other and to push each other, that's been so amazing. So I really appreciate you and I'm so thankful for you. Oh, you're too kind. You know what? I, I, you really are. I really appreciate you saying all those things. But I, I'm, I was sitting here thinking about the time when we were chatting about the summits and there was one in New York on February 5th and there was one in San Francisco on January 31st. And you're like, you were sitting in New York. You're like, I'm just gonna come to the San Francisco one. I'm like, you're just gonna get on a plane and come to San Francisco for an event. And you're like, yeah, all my peeps are there. And I actually met you through um, Musa. And, you know, I've, I've always trusted Musa and, um, you know, it just goes to show how authentic you are in how you approach your relationships. And obviously your success came from not just you being fortunate, but you making your own fortune and proving to be an amazing collaborator and community member yourself. And I, I know you've done a lot with the community. So I really appreciate that from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you just gave us some fantastic career advice, but what's the best piece of advice somebody gave to you? The best piece of advice somebody gave to me is to not be afraid to do something that feels like it's different than what's been done before. And that advice came from Gordon Bowen and he has been such an amazing counsel for me over the last decade, really. And I can remember calling him actually a couple months into my role and we had some work on the table that I didn't feel comfortable with and I didn't feel like the work was meeting the objectives that we had. And we were in post-production and I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm just a couple months into my role and I feel like I need, I, I feel like I need to kill this work. And I called him and I explained to him the dynamic and what was going on. Um, I also called Keith Grossman and they both said, look, you, you, you can't be afraid to do something that might seem unorthodox. You have to just trust yourself. You have to trust your gut. You have to just move forward. And sometimes you're going to be right. And sometimes you're going to be wrong and both are okay because both are going to teach you something. So that was really powerful advice to me years ago. And it continues to be relevant for me now. And I think ideally we're all working with people who we trust and who we can win together with win together is one of the standards that IEX for our team culture. And it's so powerful, right? Because it truly feels like it's a safe place where you can really react like that when you need to. Um, so that, that is the, is the most important thing um, that, that guides me most of the time, to be honest, because we're in the business of being brave and, and being creative and trying to push the envelope. And 
that can sometimes be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. What a great topic around brave and being brave and brave advertising and brave moves and oh, there's a whole there's a whole thing, a whole slew of things coming down the pipe around bravery. Uh, so <laughs> you'll be our poster woman, not a child, poster woman. <laughs> um, excellent. Okay, and then my last and final question for you: If money, it is, almost sounds funny when I talk about no money not being an object in your line of work, um, but uh, if money and talent were of no object you could do anything in the world except for what you're doing right now what would that be i would definitely be an architect i love real estate i love creating spaces i grew up with it because my family is in the real estate business my dad's a developer my grandfather was a superintendent and I've always been fascinated by how spaces can inspire people, how they can move people. And I just love studying it. I love talking to architects. I love geeking out on it. Um, so I would definitely do something in the, in the real estate space if I wasn't in marketing. I also think, though, that the lines between what we do as brand marketers and spaces are going to blur. And I'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple of years, just with the shifts and how people are living and how people are engaging with brands. And I think um, thinking about how spaces can play a role is uh, something that I really enjoy thinking about. Absolutely. And, um, and we're, we're, we're definitely going to be talking about that soon. You're part of our collaboration teams next week. So can't wait to see what comes out of there. Um, but, but here's what's interesting. And when you said architect, I've only heard that answer from one other person. You asked me how many episodes I've done uh, earlier um, <laughs> when we were chatting, uh, well over 120. And I think only one other person has answered architect. And it's ironic. It is Jen Breithop, who's the CMO of City, another financial institution. So there's something there. I'm a dot connector. How interesting. Yes, yes. How yes. interesting. I am. I, I always tell people I only have one superpower on the planet is I'm, I'm a, I'm a decent dot connector and like <laughs> I have some dots connecting in my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this for sure. So Kate, thank you so, so, so much for sharing your awesome story. Like what an inspiration you are to so many and just so bold and brave, like you said, and I can't, I just can't believe how much you've accomplished um, in your career. So kudos. Thank you. Thank you. I'm having fun. I think we have the best careers as marketers. Yeah, we do. Especially where you are now. Like you're, you're in the stock exchange, you're, you're brewing beer and you're designing hoodies. Like that, that was like, who else, what other job is there? Come on. That's everything, right? <laughs> it, is, it is everything. It is, it is a blast. Excellent. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, super cool. Well, listen, hey, you have a fabulous rest of your day and uh, I'll be seeing you again next week. Sounds great. Can't wait. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.